0: Bride and I figured you were together, and Jonathan Wiggins was there and Laurie. So I figured that's that's Matt, and uh, so I got to meet him. And then I told him, you know, you know, because he told me like soccer, and and I said, well, I grew up in in Wales, and and well, who's your who's your who's your favorite soccer team? And I said Manchester United, and he about just fell on the floor like, no, you know, Barcelona, and I'm like. I grew up there. I grew up in next to Manchester. I'm mean, 40 miles from Manchester. I'm not going to shout for Barcelona. So uh, I'm a Manchester United fan. Have been ever since a kid. Used to go there and watch them play. Yeah, but I love Barcelona. Hey, welcome to Calvary Alliance, and uh, God bless you as you come and minister to us. be great right here yeah it'll be great let me get myself situated right here and, um. no it's it's a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. Um, my name is Matt Griffin or Matthew Griffin is my real name. Sometimes I say Matt to people and they think I say Mac and so it's not Mac it's Matt it's short for Matthew. Um, and uh, that's what I usually go by. The only people that still call me Matthew are my mom and my grandmother, especially when I'm in trouble. So if you call me Matthew, I'll think I'm in trouble, but that's fine. If I'm in trouble, you can call me Matthew, I guess. Um, yeah, we are here with you this morning, my family and I. Um, some of you saw our three little girls running around. Here's my wife, Jeanette, and, the, and our girls. They're back in the nursery Um, Our middle one especially, she's kind of a wild child, so it's kind of nice to have her out, and maybe Daddy can concentrate a little bit better on the message that God's given uh, uh, me for this morning for you guys. Can you guys all—well, they can hear me? Oh, no. Oh, no. She just heard me say that, yeah. I did realize that last night, and then I forgot about that. Um, But, yeah, um, I want to go through just a few uh, questions that most people always ask us when we uh, meet, um, we're going to try that now? Yep. Okay. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Yeah. You can turn me up. Awesome, thank you. As I mute myself. Yeah, and so what I wanted to do first is just share a little bit about uh, myself and kind of where we are working and what ministry we are doing and why I'm here this morning. Um uh, I did not grow up in Minot. I didn't grow up in North Dakota or this even this area of the country. So real quick history about my life. I was born in a Christian home, um, and uh, actually my parents were preparing for the mission field. So I some of my first memories are actually not in the United States of America. Some of my first memories are in Costa Rica and then in Argentina, where my parents served. And so that kind of gives you a little bit of background of my my life personally. And so uh, God has always laid on my heart the nations because I was growing up in a different nation with different people. And I thought it was normal um, for, for me and my brothers uh, to, to grow up that way, to grow up in two cultures uh, at the same time, speaking uh, English in the home and then uh, Spanish outside the home. And so that was kind of normal for me. And so uh, when we came back, when I was 11 years old, my parents came back to the States. We moved back to the States. We were done with uh, serving on the mission field. Um, uh, God kept working in my heart. And a lot of people ask me, well, why, why, why the mission field? And how did you get there? And, and, and how did God call you? And, and, and that's part of it. It started as, as, as a young child. It started uh, that desire to reach the nations. And then God confirmed that call Later on, he, he really called me into missions when I was in high school during kind of a time like this weekend that we got to have. We had some different times we were able to share with you guys uh, at a meal and last night here at the church, and then this morning I'm getting to share. But there was a missionary sharing in our church there in a little town in Georgia uh, called Toccoa, Georgia, uh, in an Alliance Church much like this one. Uh, and um, uh, the, the missionary speaker came and spoke to us, And he shared just how God's heart is for all peoples. Yes, it's for us. Yes, it's for America. Yes, it's for North America. Um, But it's also for the rest of the world. And he shared with us that story, and God called me into missions, and God confirmed that over the years. Um, Then God led me uh, to Toccoa Falls College. It's a small uh, Christian college in Georgia um, where I ended up majoring in missions in cross-cultural studies, and that's where Jeanette and I met down there. She is from Florida, Southwest Florida, Um, and so after we met in college, uh, we started our dating relationship, and then we ended up getting married a few years after we graduated, after we had worked some years to help pay off some debt. We both knew we wanted to go to the mission field. Her calling was a little bit different, but um, in the same way, somewhat similar, when she was called in high school also to the mission field, she thought she was going to be a teacher. And God changed that plan in her life and led her to the mission field as well. So when we got together, uh, we knew that's where God was headed or God was leading us. Um, And in that, um, we so, so I'm trying to get to why I'm in my not North Dakota this morning when I'm from Georgia and Florida and not from out here. So when we were starting to look at that and look at that process, we grew up in a Christian Mission Alliance church. Um, we wanted to go out with the Christian Mission Alliance. Christian Mission Alliance sends out its own missionaries um, or international workers. Sometimes we, they call us because some people are in creative access countries where they're not allowed to be missionaries, and so. Uh, when we started to look to do that, we, we wanted to get into church ministry for a while. And so what ended up happening is we got a hold of a church out in Glendive, Montana. Anybody know where that is? Eastern Montana. And we ended up serving in Glendive for four years. And I served as an associate pastor of youth ministry and missions there. And that was a great experience for us. So it does feel a little bit welcoming to be at home back in this area of the country, of Eastern Montana and North Dakota, and uh, we've learned to love this area of the country. Um, when we first moved here, we heard about how bad the winters were, or how bad the, you know, all this stuff. And yes, the winters are long and the winters are cold. But what made the difference for us was our church family. Uh, having a church family, uh, having friends, having people to, to, to be with. Um, and so that's why we are here this morning. That's why we get to share here in the Rocky Mountain District. That's uh, the district this church is a part of. And uh, we're just really uh, happy about that. So how did we get overseas? How did we uh, get to Uruguay? Well, because Uruguay is in South America, you'll see here on the map um, that it's in, in southern South America. Uh, this is called also the Southern Cone, a lot of people refer to it. It's a small country. It's just a little bit smaller land-wise than the whole state of North Dakota. I was looking last night, North Dakota is like 70 million or 70,000 square miles, and Uruguay is about 68,000 square miles land-wise, and so uh, a little bit smaller uh, than the, the size of North Dakota, but a little bit bigger on people. There's uh, 3.5, 3.7 million people that live in the country of Uruguay, and we serve in the capital city of Montevideo, uh, and if you see up there on the map, you'll see Buenos Aires right there. In Ar- it says Argentina, and then right above that it says Buenos Aires. That's where my parents served and I, I grew up uh, part of my life there. And so that's one of the reasons the Lord led us back to that part of the, the world. They speak the same language, Spanish. Um, and also they have a very similar culture in Montevideo, the capital city of, of Uruguay. Um, also, I just want to share a few pictures of you with Uruguay. So a lot of people ask, what does it look like there? What do you guys do? Where do you live? We live in the big city. Uh, this is uh, a couple pictures of the city uh, real close to where we live, um, we lived, we're not living there right now, um, and uh, uh, it's a very European country. Uh, almost all immigra- all the descendants of the people that live there are descendants of people uh, immigrated from Europe, uh, and so uh, a lot of people will arrive in our, in our city, in Montevideo, and, and be like, wow, I, I feel like I'm in Europe or something like that. They speak Spanish. Uh, most people look similar to you and I in a lot of ways, um, and uh, it's, it's just a real interesting place. It's one, probably one of the only areas of South America that doesn't, that doesn't have a lot more of the indigenous population um, there. And so a lot of times Uruguayans feel like they should be living in Europe and not in South America. So that's an interesting uh, thing about Uruguay. Uh, here's another picture of, of Montevideo. If you look across the whole bay, that's really the city over there. And this is just a neighborhood on this side of the big port or the bay there. And so it's known as a port city, um, and uh, um, yeah, it's just it's it's a really interesting place to live and, and minister. A few other things or challenges in Uruguay is that it's known as a secular country; uh, it's very secular. Uh, church and state made a complete separation in the early 1900s, and um, pretty much. Uh, a president came into power who was an atheist. He did not believe in, in God or, or anything of that. And he tried to scratch God out of the country. You know, he, 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 he took anything religious out of any school. Uh, he took anything religious out of any of the public hospitals or any, anything like that. And so that really put the country on a, a course uh, to become probably the least, uh, or not probably, it is, the least uh, evangelized country in all of Latin America And so uh, even there's fewer Catholics in our country than in many other countries in Latin America. Uh, So that gives you kind of an idea. Um, After almost 100 years of this going on in our country of Uruguay, it gives you an idea of what the people are like. So in our neighborhood, I shared this stat I think last night or maybe the night before, but in our neighborhood where we live in Montevideo, it's it's 0.12% evangelical Christian. And so it's uh, it's very, very few Christians, uh, very, very few people that believe uh, in, in God and in Jesus in our neighborhood. And so that's why we're living there. That's why we're there. We're there to reach the lost in, in Montevideo. Another idea of of our work there is it's very, uh, the people are very low uh rate of responding to the gospel. Uh, One of the stats we've heard from other missionaries working in the country is that it takes about 40 hours uh, of relationship, time spent with people, even before you get into a spiritual conversation, even to to where you can get to talk about God. You almost have to earn your right to talk about God. I've tried to start conversations with people at times, and they're like, "Well, well, I don't talk about that. We don't like to talk about that. We don't talk about spiritual things. And so that kind of gives you an an idea of our country. And and because of that, ministry can sometimes be slower than desired, and um, it can be discouraging for us. And so that gives you an idea uh, of of where we are. Um, I also want to talk just a little bit about what types of ministries we are doing. This is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It says this is what uh, Jesus is, is doing the Sermon on the Mount and speaking to all the people that are there, especially the disciples. And so he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so... um, we think this verse uh, sums up some of, of, of what we try to do as, as ministry in Uruguay. We want uh, to do ministry both in word, in preaching the gospel, and speaking those things, and we do that, but we also want to do it in, in deed, in good deeds uh, to the people around us. Uh, we work with what we call the, the professional class, uh, of people there. Um, and the reason we're working with them is because they probably have the greatest need of the gospel in the whole country. Uh, and there's other people working with other people in our city. Um, and so on the outside, a lot of these people don't look like they're in need. You know, they, most of them have jobs and, and decent jobs because they're, they're, they're well-educated and they work in, in, in pretty good professions. Uh, they have uh, physical uh, all their physical needs taken care of, you know? And so a lot of times they don't think they're in need of anything. And so that's something we are able to come in and, and, and allow to see. Uh, a lot of these people come from either broken homes um, or, or and also are already divorced. Uh, divorce rate is very, very high in Uruguay. And now the divorce rate is going down a little bit because a lot of people aren't getting married. They're just living together even as a family and, and never marrying and so that gives you a little bit of another idea. And so in this, we uh, are trying to do uh, various different things in word and Indeed. need. So um, our church plant, we've started a church plant there. We work with a team of five, uh, or there's five of us on our team there. Uh, not five people, five families. Uh, and here are some pictures of our church plant. They're meeting right now this morning. Uh, they're, I guess, they're a few hours ahead of us, so they're already finished, but um, they're they just met this morning in this church. We call it Iglesia Alianza El Estar, and that is the Alliance Church, and it's called El Estar, which means it's not the star. It means uh, the meeting place or the living room is kind of the idea of our church, and it's a place where people can gather, have real community, and can uh, hear the word of God and hear his name lifted up and, and learn about Jesus. Um, here are a few more things that we do with our church plant. We do uh, various things throughout the week as well. We have children's ministry. You see my wife there working with the children uh, during our church service. The, the 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 kids stay in with us for the first uh, worship time and prayer time, and then they go out and have their own special time. It's called Zona Kids, uh, and so uh, that's my wife doing that. There you see me in the top picture with some youth. And so we do have some youth things going on, and we were able to visit um, the Logos Hope. It's a, it's a ship that goes around the world, and it has a, lot, a big library in it. It can't reach Minot. I'm sorry, it needs a big port to reach, but it came to, to Uruguay and was there. And so we got to go there. It's a, it's, a, it's a missions ship, and it has a lot of Christian literature. And so we were able to go there as a youth. And then you see in the bottom picture there also, that would be one of our reflection groups. It's basically a Bible study, but it's more of a seeker-friendly Bible study. And so that's another thing we do um, with our our church plant there. And our team is carrying all these ministries on as we are out of the country right now. Um, Here's our one-year anniversary uh, of our church plant at Estad. And you can see all the people gathered there. Uh, It's kind of a big deal in the Latin culture to celebrate anniversaries of churches. I don't know if that's done a lot here. Do you guys celebrate? Probably not, I don't know. So, there, it's a big deal. So, you'll see, like, all right, next Sunday's our anniversary Sunday, you know, and everybody gets excited about it. And so, we celebrated our first year anniversary as a church. And you, we even had a cake, you know, for the church. And we got to, we had the church service. And then afterwards, we met at one of our, one of the houses of our international workers there and got to have food and a time of get together and just celebrate that. So, it was fun. And then, here is our Easter uh, picture of Easter celebration also in a home. Uh, we were meeting that, that Sunday morning and just got to celebrate Easter and even had like a little egg hunt and all the rest kind of thing where Uruguayans enjoy the American culture. And so that was one way to bring kids in and bring more families into our, into our congregation that morning. So that was really fun. Uh, another thing that we try to do is we try to serve our community in different ways and. As many of you know, English is kind of, English, teaching English or learning English is kind of a big thing around the world. A lot of people want to learn English uh, to increase their, their um, I, I guess, their marketability uh, and be able to communicate with people in English. And so, something else we do is we do a thing called English Camp. And this is starting tomorrow. We do this in the winter time. In South America, it's winter right now. Um, and it's during the winter break. Uh, down there and our team is going to be starting English camp uh, tomorrow Uh, and they have a team that came down from North Carolina that are there with them right now getting all ready for English camp and this is a ministry we do for elementary school kids kindergarten through sixth grade um, that uh, teaches English through games uh, music sports uh, fun things and allows them to do a lot of one-on-one conversation or, or one-on-two conversations with native speakers, which isn't something that they're able to do in their schools. And so it's really kind of a cool thing where we get to uh, serve the community, build relationships, and we've even seen some of the people that we met through this program come into our church plant and, and become member or members uh, regular attendees in our church plant. Uh, here's another thing we've been able to do. This is a... English class for uh, young guys that are in a soccer club. And their uh, coach, we met through English camp, whose daughter came to English camp. And he said, I want to I reach uh, these young guys who are probably underprivileged, a lot of them, and don't have the ability to pay to go to a private school or to learn English in another way. And I want to serve them by giving them opportunity to learn English through some classes. And so we've been able to start some classes with this, with this club, the soccer club, and they come an hour and a half early to do English uh, class before their normal practice time, uh, two times a week. And, and we, we meet wherever they practice and they've given us a, a room to meet in and, and do that. So that has been a fun way uh, to do that. There's also, we also do some other English things like one-on-one tutoring. Uh, that we usually don't charge for, and uh, we, um, but it's just a great way to share our faith with people there in, in Uruguay. Another thing we've been able to birth out of ed, uh, English camp, and I said that was for elementary school kids, is the adventure camp. I love God's creation, and I love getting out in God's creation, getting to experience God's creation, and uh, allowing um, us to worship God through that. Not worship creation, but worship God because we can see wonders of him through his creation. And so something we've started is Adventure Camp. It's for the kids that have kind of graduated our, from our English camp. That's been going on for about six years now. So now we are having kids that have gone through English camp and are, are graduating from that, and now we have something else for them, for middle school and high school age kids. And so we've been able to start this. This is something where we use the outdoors Uh, and um, outdoor activities uh, to build leadership skills through English uh, to serve our community. And we have dreams to see this grow. We have dreams to see this grow into something that would be more like a youth camp, a church youth camp for kids, where we can really disciple people through uh, outdoor activities. And so we're we're pretty excited about that. Um, Also, we always get asked, what are some ways we can pray for you? And so I want to share those with you before we get into Scripture this morning. Don't worry, we're going to get into Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you're going to get to use those in just a minute. But these are some prayer requests, some ways you guys can be praying for us and our team. First thing is, we do not have a church building. You saw some of the pictures of our church uh, gathering that were in houses, you know. And so we do rent a a, a place on Sunday mornings to to meet for a church, but we want to have our own church building uh, of some sort, either rent or buy. Uh, that we can use as a ministry center throughout the week. We have new English classes. We can do um, uh, Bible studies during the week, and we can also use it as a place to meet Sunday mornings for our, our, our service times there. Um, so you can be praying for that. Uh, properties in Uruguay, especially in the city, are quite expensive. And so we're asking the Lord to provide the perfect place for us. We'd like to have a place that we can meet with at least 50 to 60 people in one big meeting room. That's, it's a hard thing to find there. Um, secondly, our team, please pray for our team. I, I mentioned that we are a team of five families there. Um, we have one uh, more mature couple in their er, uh, early 60s, late 50s. And then the rest of us are all young families. And so all the, all the rest of us are in our 30s with young kids. And so we just pray, uh, I would ask for you to pray for us and our team. Uh, We do have English camp that starts tomorrow, I was just saying, and then Adventure Camp the week after that for a few days. Uh, And so please pray for those two ministries. Um, We also want you to pray for unity and spiritual encouragement for our team there. It can get discouraging on the mission field sometimes when you feel like you're alone or things aren't working out as you had planned or things are moving slower than you had hoped for. And then finally, if you'd also pray for our family for Jeanette, my wife, and our three daughters, and myself. just the, We've been back in the States for six weeks now. This is the second church we've been able to share in, and it's great to be here with you guys. But um, it, it is an adjustment, moving from one country to another, and, and, and you you go through culture shock both ways. Uh, they call it reverse culture shock when you come back to the States. So we, I get back to the States, we're gonna be living in Florida this year. Uh, we go to Walmart the second day we're here, I'm walking through the aisles there and I'm just like overloaded with how many options there are and how much this and that and the other and you like walk through there and you're like, whoa. You know, in, in, in Uruguay, um, one example would be you can, you can get uh, quite a few different sodas um, or pops as you might call them here. Um, you can get Coke, you can get Diet Coke, uh, Sprite, Fanta, and, and one other, you know, but here you walk through, and you got so many different options, you know, and it just like, it's kind of just like overloads you a little bit, um, and so we'll, we will be living in Florida this year, close to Jeanette's family, my wife's family down there, and so we're uh, excited for that. God has provided for us a home that we can rent for the year, uh, but we ask you to pray for, for school for our oldest daughter. She'll be attending school there in kindergarten, And also for myself, I'll be on tour, and so you can be praying for me while I'm touring out here in this part of the country. I'll be gone multiple times throughout the year, where I'll be gone at seven weeks and five weeks at two different times, and also touring some in Florida. So I'll be gone uh, almost uh, over 100 days this year away from my family. So I just ask for you to pray pray for my family as I'm away, and pray for me as, as, as I'm out getting to share what God is doing. I'm excited about it, but it is a lot of time away. Um, we also pray, uh, ask you to pray for spiritual uh, refreshment uh, and physically also, and also for our support for if you, if you would want to be one of our prayer warriors, financial partners, uh, those kind of things. Um, before I'm done with this, I wanted to share we do have these little prayer cards out there in the lobby. There's a little table set up. It says Uruguay across the front. You can't miss it. But if you'd like to pick up one of these little prayer cards, it kind of gives you a way to get a hold of us and also to, to stay connected. And so what we would ask you to do is there is it says to join our newsletter, contact us at our email address. So if you just send us a quick email, hey, I'm so-and-so, well, I'd love to be on your, on your, um, on your newsletter, your, our, our prayer newsletter. Uh, we'd love to stay connected that way, and that would be a great way to stay connected with us. Um, so now I, I do want to pause. I want to pray and then I want to get into John 10 and uh, talking about the Good Shepherd. And, and so I really feel like God has placed this passage on my heart this morning to share with you. And I really hope that um, my hope and my prayer is that it'll be a blessing to you where you are in, in your life. And you'll be able to see how God wants to use this in your life. So let's, let's pause and let's pray together right now. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to be here in Minot, North Dakota and share your word with your people. I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for this church and how it's been faithful to the gospel uh, here in Minot and throughout the world as it supports uh, people like myself and my wife, Jeanette, and our family and many others through giving, uh, through prayer, and through encouragement. And so I pray right now as we get to dive into your word that you'll open our minds, our eyes, and our hearts and our ears to what you have to say to each and one of us this morning and uh, that it will just be a blessing to our lives and to those around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to be here in in John chapter 10. It's probably a chapter of scripture. If you've been around the church very long, you've probably heard other people preach on this. Uh, Many that probably do even a better job than myself. But I want to look at it in maybe a a little bit of a different way this morning. Um, And so let's open up to... John chapter 10, verse 1. This is what it says. This is the NIV. It says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens a gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out All his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And so um, my first question this morning for all of us is: Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you following? Are we following God's voice, or are we following somebody else's voice? I love how it says here that the, the shepherd of the sheep comes up uh, and enters, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And, the, and it says, and they know his voice. This is interesting to me. You know, I, I don't know that much about shepherding or sheep or those kind of things, but what I understand is I kind of had a big sheep pen, and a lot of times it was made of brush or different things, and different shepherds would bring their sheep, and they would put them all together in a sheep pen, right? And uh, they would all be in there, and then when the, when the shepherd of, of each sheep, and, and this is a culture we're talking about. This is Jesus' time. You know, it's a little different than nowadays. We have sheep, and we have barbed wire and all the rest, and there's not as many dangers out there, and we kill coyotes and wolves and stuff so they don't get our animals, right? It's often. Um, but in that time, they would bring all their sheep in at night and put them in a sheep pen, and then one person kind of watch it, the gatekeeper, Right? And then the shepherds would come in, and they would come in, and they would call their sheep, right? And their sheep, only their sheep would come out, and they would follow them, right? And so I, I have this image of Jesus coming in and calling his own sheep out of the world, right? Calling his own sheep, those who are following uh, Jesus. And so my question for us this morning, whose voice are we listening to? Whose voice are we hearing? How, how do we know it's God's voice? How do we know we're listening to the right voice? And what I, what I did as a youth pastor— And how I taught our youth always was, well, if it lines up with Scripture, it must be God's voice, right? Uh, And sometimes, well, there's two options, right? And they both line up with God's voice. Well, then maybe we need to search a little deeper. Maybe we can go to our pastor. Maybe we can go to other people that have been a spiritual encouragement to us in our lives. We can ask them where they see where God is leading in that. Uh, Another thing I was thinking about, um, we have young children, and sometimes our children are playing with other children, and one child starts to cry. And usually as a parent, you can tell which, which cry is from your kid, you know? You can hear the voice of either your kid saying something to you or a cry from your kid. They're crying, they fell down, they hurt themselves, they got in a fight with somebody, whatever it might be. And you could tell the voice of your child, right? So this is the same idea that I think of this. Or even last night, Jeanette was here sharing And I was back there in the nursery with our our daughters. And our our littlest daughter, her name is Hannah. uh, She's not even one and a half yet. But there's a little speaker back there, right? And she could hear her mom's voice. And she would, like, run out of the room and look around, try to find her. And then she'd run back in and hear her voice again on the speaker. Then run back out. So it's like she knew her mom's voice, you know? And in the same way, I think we need to know God's voice. And we need to be willing to step out in obedience and follow him. Um, something when I was hearing this I thought of was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 14. And this is a very, also a very common verse, but this is what it says. Um, sometimes we only focus on 11, verse 11. And I think it's great. It's a wonderful verse. It's a wonderful thing to focus on, but I think there's more to it. But uh, verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Wonderful, right? But guess what it continues with? It says, "Then you will call on me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will be found, or I will be f- found by you," declares the Lord. And it goes on. It says, "Bring you out of captivity, um, and I will gather you from the nations and the places that I have banished you," says the Lord. And you will, and and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So, um, But the part I want to focus on, on this part of Jeremiah 29, is this idea that when we call on the Lord, He wants to hear us. He is there listening, and He desires for us to find Him. Right? God is there. God wants to know us. This is what we, we share in Uruguay all the time. Uh, one, of, uh, one of the stories I do want to share this morning is uh, about a man and his wife. Uh, that have become very close to us. Uh, their names are Jose and Sandra. Um, they, have, they are our parents' age. We met them just through, uh, they live in the same apartment building as we did for our first year we lived there. And um, we met them, got to know them. And they've become kind of like our Uruguayan parents. They've become kind of like the Uruguayan grandparents to our kids. And um, it's funny, I, I try to talk about spiritual things with Jose. Jose grew up somewhat Catholic, but now he's kind of, you know, he's, he's not practicing. He'll say, well, I'm Catholic, but I, I don't know when, I don't think he's gone to, to, to Mass or the Catholic Church since I've known him, and that's been over three years. And so it kind of gives you an idea who Jose is. But I'll tell him, hey, Jose, I'm praying for your business. Uh, he, has, he owns a small business, and, and they work in this small business of advertising. And, um, and he'll, he'll say, well, do you think God's really concerned about that? That's what he'll say to me. Well, God God has bigger things to worry about. And that's kind of his mentality. Well, God, well, God's out there somewhere, and I kind of believe in God, but He's not gonna worry about the little things in my life. And I and I tell Jose, and I was like, No, that's not who God is. I know a God that loves us and he wants to know us, and he wants us to know him personally and deeper, and he cares about the little things. He cares that you're not feeling good today or your business isn't going great or whatever your issues are, and whatever those things are, we can come to him. And that's what I tell Jose, and, and, and I really want to see Jose um, know God's voice and to follow God's voice. That's my heart uh, for him, and, uh, and I know each of you probably have people in your lives that you feel that way about, right? You have people in your life that you talk to, and you want them to know God's voice and to know Jesus. Um, I do want to keep going in this. Uh, in in John chapter ten, if we continue, John chapter ten, this is. Uh, Jesus had just said, uh, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So he switches it up, right? He's like, well, let me explain it to you a different way, right? And so this is what he says to them. He says, therefore, Jesus said, again, very truly, I tell you. Oh, this might be important if he says very truly, right? Or verily, verily, I tell you. It might be another translation. It says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. There's a very common verse also. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so this just reminds me of God's heart for us, God's heart for those that live around us, and God's heart even to the Uruguayan people. He says that he is the gate that whoever enters through me will be saved. What a powerful promise, right? What a powerful promise that if we enter through the true gate of Jesus, we will be saved. Um, we can have salvation through Jesus. He has made a way for us, right? Uh, and this is my heart for the Uruguayan people. I, I'm also just trying to learn how to live it out in our, my day-to-day life. This morning, at the ho- we were staying at a hotel just south, in, I guess, on the South Hill. Is that what you guys call it? The South Hill, whatever, down south of town. Um, and I was in there, and I was in their little business center, and I was trying to print my stuff out, trying to finish up just a little bit of the PowerPoint. And there, this lady came in, and then this, I guess, her boyfriend, husband, whatever came in afterwards, and his language was just terrible, but you could tell they were stressed about something, you know? And I was just, like, asking God, like, how can I minister to them? And I almost, and I should have probably now that I'm looking back on it, I almost said, can I pray for you guys? But, uh, you know, every other word was a word that starts with F that I won't share this morning. But anyways, um, I, I just felt bad for them. And I know God wants to know them. And their salvation through Jesus for them, too. You know, it's not just for us who sit in church on Sundays. It's for the whole world. And so I, I just really believe that this is for all of us, that we need to be reaching our communities wherever we are. And I love that the second promise in this, in this passage that I see, is that he says that you will go out and find pasture. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't say you'll go out and find a desert uh, where you don't have any food or do have anything. But basically he's saying I will provide for you is what I see here. You know, maybe that provision isn't always brand new vehicles and houses and tons of money and tons of, you know, things on this earth. But what other ways is God providing for us? He's providing uh, for us in, in other ways in... in in uh, emotional ways, maybe, or in spiritual ways as he provides salvation, right? And then I also love that sometimes we say the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and we stop there. But I love that Jesus continues in that, and he says, I come also so that you can have life and have it to the full, um, what does the fullness of life look like for us? And, and I don't think this is just future. I don't think this is just, oh, well, when we die, we'll get to go to heaven and have the fullness of life there. Yes, I, I, I do believe that, but I, I don't think it stops there. I think it's here on earth too. I think we can have more fullness here on earth. And and I'm still trying to learn how to live that out in my life. How can I be joyful? How can I be patient? How can I have the fruit of the spirit in my life? Uh, how can we do that through God's help? Not do it ourselves or in ourselves, but through what uh, Jesus provides for us uh, in that. Um, I love, uh, sometimes I like to look at different Bible translations uh, that, uh, that give it a different way. So have life and live it to the full. In the Living Bible, which is kind of more of a paraphrase Bible, but it says, I came so they can have real and eternal life more and better than they have ever dreamed of. Sorry, that was the message translation. Also, in the Living Bible, it does say, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Isn't that what we have in Jesus? We have life in all its fullness. We need to learn to live in that and allow him to minister to us so we can live that out. Let's continue a little bit more in this passage. John 10, 11 through 15 says this. So Jesus then goes back to talking about him being our shepherd. And he says, I am... The good shepherd, not just the shepherd, but the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. The hired hand is is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired, is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is our good shepherd, right? He does not run away like the hired man when things get tough or dangerous or difficult. He doesn't run away when things are good either. I think a lot of times we as believers, or at least myself, I've I've found myself in this. I call out to God when I need him, right? Right? But isn't it the truth that we need him every day? Isn't it the truth that we need him in the good times and in the bad, right? And so I I think that is so interesting here. Uh, Just this analogy of laying down your life. Um, How Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. Um, I don't know. uh, I know a lot of you are parents out there. And I know I would do anything for my children and for my wife. You know, I'd lay down my life for my, my children and my wife. And in the same way, that's what Jesus is saying to us. We are his children. He'll lay down his life for us. And he has laid down his life for us, but he's also there for us in those those difficult times. Let's go on to the last section that we're going to be reading out of here and talk about this for one more minute. Um, Well, before I get there, I do want to share one more story. I want to share a story about a guy named Mateo. Mateo is Matthew in Spanish. Uh, He's a, a young man. Uh, that is a part of our church uh, that I've been able to grow in a relationship with him, and been able to start discipling him. Uh, he, uh, his family, uh, are believers, and they started coming to our church when we started a year and a half ago, about. And um, a little bit of, of his story, the way w- our team met him is one of our team members has uh, has has children that are in high school now in college, and his son plays on a basketball team. Uh, the biggest sports in Uruguay are soccer first, obviously. Uh, well, maybe not obviously, but soccer is the biggest sport. And then the second biggest sport would probably be basketball. So they have some clubs in town where they play uh, basketball, private clubs where you can play basketball. And so one of the one of our, our international workers' kids, our, our missionary kids, plays basketball for a team there. And this is how we met Mateo's family through this relationship at this club. And um, they came to our church the first Sunday morning, and I get to meet uh, somebody that has already been drawn into the pen, right? That has already come in, He's he's already a believer, but he, he's struggling, you know? He's, he's around, he, he tells me, I go to a, a high school uh, that has no other believers in it. Pretty much everybody in all my classes makes fun of me for believing in God. Everyone else, well, they, they, don't either, they either don't believe in God or they don't stand up for God at all if they believe in God. They'll, they'll make fun of me for believing in God. And so this is Mateo. This is one of the people you could be praying for too, just like I shared about Jose, that he's not yet a believer, and we're praying that he will become and will come to know the Lord. Uh, Matil is, is one that, that God's already got a hold of his heart. Matil uh, has been one of those that has wanted to start a youth group for his friends you know, and get together with other Christians, and it's been fun to see that happen. Uh, sometimes it's difficult. As many of you know, young people can be busy at times. He plays basketball. He, he uh, is involved, involved in that club very much. He's, he has school, all these different things. Sometimes it's hard to get together, but it's been really cool to see how he's even grown and learned more about his faith uh, through times we've gotten to spend together, and so He's one of those that we've been able to reach out to, and his family as well, Mateo and his family. And his parents' names are Diego and Ceci, if you want to pray for them as well, as they try to live out their faith in a culture that really wants to put them down, really desires, they're not, I mean, a lot of the culture desires that God would just go away kind of idea. All right, so I want to continue here. Sorry, I wanted to tell that story real quick. So John chapter 10, verse 16 says this, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, Who is this demon possessed and raving man? Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man p- possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so as I read this passage, I see a few big things. I, I highlighted verse 16 there, you see. Um, and this is kind of one of our themes uh, for Alliance missions this year, is this idea of reach, reaching beyond or going beyond. Um, and, and, and I love this verse. Uh, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't looked at it uh, differently or this way until, until I started studying for, for sharing uh, with you this morning. Uh, but it says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. So this idea that, that God has other people out there that are supposed to be in the sheep pen, right? They're supposed to be believers, but they're not there yet, right? And what Jesus says, I must bring them also, right? They too will listen to my voice. They'll hear God's voice. They'll hear their calling on their lives and they'll respond to it, it says. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Isn't that what we're here for this morning? We're to worship God. We're to be of his flock. We're to be followers of his voice and to have one shepherd in Jesus, right? And so that's my heart for my neighbors in Uruguay. That's my heart and that's my desire to see The sheep not of this pen, listen to his voice, and be part of the one flock and one shepherd. And that's what God has called us to do in the Great Commission, is to go. Uh, I I love uh, Acts 1.8, where it says, uh, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I think God is calling us to do that everywhere. He's not calling me just to go to Uruguay and you guys to send me and say, Matt, Matt, go do it in Uruguay. No, he's calling all of us to wherever we live, right? And um, I think that's so important for all, all of us to remember is that God has called each of us to wherever we are in life, wherever we are, Not maybe not to stay there forever or whatever, but he is calling us to be there right now, and he's calling us to be his light and his, his, his word and his voice wherever we're living, and so um, what I want to do is I want to end in kind of a, a little bit of a different way. I want to give you guys kind of a, a benediction, and I'm changing this a little bit. It's a very well-known scripture also in Psalms 23, and I'm changing a few words of it. So, um, and I want to pray this over us this morning. So if you want to close your eyes with me and just focus on what this says, and remember how the Lord is your shepherd, how Jesus is our shepherd. We can listen to his voice, or we can listen to other people's voices, or our own voice, but if we listen to his, we know where he's going to take us. He's going to take us uh, to, where, to where he wants us and to places that are wonderful. So let me pray this over us this morning. This is what it says. The Lord is your shepherd. You, shall not, you lack nothing. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters. He refreshes your soul. He guides you along right paths for his namesake. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, you will fear no evil. For you are with us. Your rod and your staff that comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil Your cup overflows. Surely God's goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dear Lord, I just thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for encouraging me through your word uh, as I've studied it this week. I thank you for encouraging us in this room this morning, in this church body, as we get to hear again that you are our good shepherd, you are the gate, you do give salvation to us and the world, that you love us, that you can be found, that as we seek you and we, and, and we, and we look for you with all of our hearts, that you are found and, and that we can know you. We praise you for that. We, we thank you for creating us and allowing us to be in relationship with you, allowing us to find our hope in you. Um, I thank you uh, this morning for this time we've been able to study your word together. And I just pray that as you promise that your word will go out and will not return empty, that that will be true in our hearts today. That as we go out from here uh, into the potluck and then out into our own communities and where you've placed this in our lives, that we'll remember um, that we are there uh, to, to lead people to you, to be an example for you to be your light uh, for you in in this world that so desperately needs you. So we thank you, Lord, for this time together. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.